0: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Intuitive Engineer Podcast, where we divinely create the life we love by connecting our challenges to our purpose. I'm your host, Max, serving you with endless ideas and possibilities for your mind, body, and spirit. Let's glow. Let's glow. Let's glow. Hello and welcome to the Intuitive Engineer Podcast. My guest today is an entrepreneur, singer, songwriter. He's a go-getter. Usually I kind of list the accomplishments, but I would like him to share what he's done. I like to think of him as the family comedian. He's married (laughs) to his gorgeous best friend, who I absolutely adore, and together they have six beautiful children. So welcome, Lumese.
1: Hey, how you doing, Maxine?
0: Good, how are you?
1: I am tired, but I am good. I guess it's good to be tired when it's work-related right. I'm happy. Always happy.
0: Awesome. I usually start out with a few questions so my listeners can get to know you better. First question, where did you grow up?
1: I was born in Torrance, but I grew up in a small city in Southern California called Manny. Uh, you've been there.
0: <laughs> I have.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, I, you know, I don't even know what the population is, but it's, it's not very big. It's actually, it's small for California standards. When I tell people from other states about like, you know, I think I think last time I checked, it was like 70,000 or something that people were like, that's a big city. I'm like, oh, isn't it? Because in Southern California, it's not, so. Right. Yeah, I don't even know if that number is right anymore, so.
0: It's growing, right?
1: It is, it's developing. They've cut down a lot of their open fields. They've kind of mowed everything down and now they're building all these housing tracks. It's kind of sad to see it go, I mean, I understand the need for development and build homes, but it's kind of weird to see the city that I grew up in, like seeing all these empty fields now filled with homes and stuff. I guess it's good. It brings people in.
0: Right. That's always good. All right. So what's your favorite quote?
1: My most recent favorite quote is by, have you heard of Jim Quick? Yes. Yes. I love Jim Quick. He kind of put my whole philosophy about life into a real short, effective, powerful quote for me. So he says, this is from Jim Quick. I actually love this about Jim Quick. He actually responds and comments on other entrepreneurs' sites, like their pages. And he kind of just like takes over the whole conversation in the comment section. He said, one life, just one. Why aren't we running like we are on fire towards our wildest dreams? And I've always felt that way. Ever since I was a kid, like I've always felt that way. I've never, ever felt like there was limits for me. I've always, always believed that whatever it is that I wanted, I could get it. Even though I didn't grow up in a home where that kind of thinking was taught much or that, you know there weren't any examples of that, it's always what I felt in my heart. And so I've never actually stopped believing that. I'm, you know, 41 years old now, and still think the exact same way. That's my favorite quote now, like right now. Yeah, I love it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that perspective. Why aren't we running towards what we want in life, like we're on fire. Like, why aren't more people doing that? And I see that in you so many times and I I can't wait for you to share your story. So who's your inspiration?
1: I'm not like most people where I take my inspiration from people who are all over Instagram or all over television or or well-known or these celebrities. My heroes and my inspirations come from people just within my own life, people that I actually know personally. Um, There's actually a gentleman by the name of Joe Asbury that I've known since I was a kid. I think I met him when I was 11 or so. He's just blue collar, super hardworking guy. He's accomplished so much. He's been retired for a few years now. But every time I talk to him, I say, "Hey, Joe, what's going on? What are you up to? Oh, I'm in Wyoming. Oh, what are you doing in Wyoming? Because he lives here in California. Oh, I'm just working on, you know, building a house up here. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> how many people do you know And when you call them in the middle of the week, they're in a different state building a home, you know? <laughs> another week I'll, I'll be talking to them, hey, Joe, how you been, Where you, what you do this week? Oh, I headed down to San Diego, helped my son expand on his house and build a new dental office for one of his sons is a dentist. And I'm like, you just built him another office? He goes, yeah, I mean, you know, we had to follow the city codes and all that, but yeah, I, I did it. i so did you hire a crew? No, just me and my son. Him and his family built the whole demo office. As a matter of fact, the very first time I met Joe, they lived in a three-story home that was massive on like three acres of land. And I asked him, "When did he buy the house whatever? And he said, I built this home. And I'm like, oh, building your own home was so foreign. That was such a foreign concept to me. But he actually sat me down, put it in his VCR, and he showed me the process of him by himself building his home. Wow. Keep it for himself. Like from the ground up, I was like, oh my gosh. 3 story home. It was amazing. So anyway, he's always been one of my personal heroes. I'll definitely talk more about him in the future and stuff. I have actually had a few friends asking me to write a book about my story because a lot of people know a little bits and pieces of my story, but not everyone knows, except for my wife and my siblings and stuff, know my whole story. So right. I actually had a friend reach out uh, via Instagram, DM. She wrote me. She's like, I had the strangest dream. I'm like, what's that? I had a dream that you wrote a book. And then it changed lives and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? She goes, I really think that that was meant for you. Like you need to write a book. And I'm like, okay. And then I had another friend who had the same dream and told me that. And then my wife told me the same thing, like three different occasions, all like a few months apart. And so I'm like, I guess I really ought to just write this book. <laughs> So my, my wife's <laughs> making me commit to at least an hour a day to actually start writing this thing. So anyway, the only reason I bring that up is because I'm sure I'll mention Joe plenty of times in that book.
0: Wow. I'm excited about this book.
1: I want to tell my story, but mostly not, not so much that people know the story, but so that people can see that if I can do the things I've been able to accomplish, so can they. I'm, I'm no different. I'm not any more special than anyone else. Anyone can do this.
0: Yes. And that's the whole reason why I did this podcast because I want people to see leaders like you and the things that you've had to overcome to yeah. get to where you are. It's not easy. No, so. not at
1: all. It's really not. It's actually the highs are really fantastic, but the lows are really, really deep. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. So. They're huge. Yeah. Yeah oh man so we will touch on that for sure later on what is a crazy but true fact about you
1: i don't know how crazy it is because here in southern california it's it's actually quite common but you know that i'm Samoan. yeah our ancestors are from samoa i actually i speak fluent spanish a lot of people don't know that but i do yeah see the thing is i have other friends who speak Spanish fluently who aren't Hispanic. They're Caucasian, they're white skinned, and when they talk, it's amazing. People are like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, natural, like native, uh, Spanish speakers. But when I speak it because of my skin color, it's like nothing. They don't care. I, I don't get the same natural. It's not quite as cool when I'm speaking Spanish. So I guess that's one crazy but true fact about me.
0: <laughs> they're like, Yeah, he's supposed to speak Spanish.
1: <laughs> well, that, well, that's exactly how they act, too. They're just yeah. like No one is surprised when I'm speaking Spanish.
0: All right. So, what is something out of your comfort zone?
1: If I had to guess, cold calls. (laughs) Mm. I hate cold calls. (laughs) I even hate cold emails, whatever they call that. You know, like sending emails for the first time. Yes. Because cold calls, it just, you know, it all depends on the mood that the person's in. And the same as emails. The initial email conversation or the dialogue you try to start with people, whether it's email or through a phone call, I hate them both. You just never know how they're going to react.
0: Oh yeah, I get all sweaty palms and like. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that little information about you. Let's talk about your entrepreneur journey. Sure. If you could just kind of walk us through the beginning and now.
1: Let's see, 2008 was the housing market crash. At that time, I was working for a development company that built a home. At the time, we were building a 1,200-unit apartment complex. I actually quit that company in 2007, so it was right before the housing crash. And it didn't really affect me personally, but it affected a lot of people that I knew. I went back to college, or I guess I attempted college again. After going to college again, I think this is my second or third time that I had actually tried to start college, I realized that, you know what, this isn't for me. College isn't for me, I wanna do something. I wanna make moves, I just, I wanna experience the dreams I had as a child. I want those to come true. I I did end up getting another job after college, after I quit college. That job was terrible, I hated it too. I hated all of my jobs, by the way. Every single job I had, I hated. (laughs) And so I knew from a young age that I was gonna end up working for myself. I was probably a pretty terrible employee, but I knew that I would be a great employer. I learned a lot from my good bosses, but I learned just as much from my bad bosses. And I took all those lessons and I became, you know, mixed with my own personality. So I put my own spin on it. I think my employees like me. (laughs) They seem to, they seem really happy. We're all a really close-knit bunch anyway. So that was 2007, 2008. I ended up quitting the job I had My wife and I decided to start a catering company and almost around the exact same time, we just had this opportunity for a restaurant. It just pretty much just dropped in our lap. And I'm gonna explain what exactly happened, the details with that. It's actually a really spiritual experience. I'll share more of that probably in the book or so, but to tell this story, I, I think it'll take too much time, but. Um, Anyway, at the same time that we started the catering company, we just had this amazing opportunity to take over a restaurant because our friend was leaving and the deal he had in place for someone to take over the restaurant and buy from him fell through. He was in a bad place. I was unemployed. I needed money. He needed someone to take over his restaurant. It worked out perfectly. That was in 2009, I believe, or 2008, I can't remember. We took over the restaurant and started our catering company. A few years later, we sold the restaurant. We actually had a second restaurant, so we actually sold both restaurants to the same buyer in 2015, so that was six years later. And then we just focused on catering, and we've been doing strictly catering ever since. 2008, 2009 to 2019 today, we're still going strong, mostly corporate clients, but we do do a lot of private events, we do a lot of weddings, and as far as numbers, we've done baby showers or bridal showers for 25 people, and then we've done annual corporate conventions for 25,000 people, and everywhere in between. The first thing I should point out is that when I was nine years old, I knew I wanted to own a restaurant, and I knew I would someday. I didn't know it would take that long, but it—you know—it happened. <laughs> you know, Thirty-two years old, then. The numbers that the owner, when he sold it to me, the numbers he was telling us about, he was saying like, you know, the highest week we ever had was, you know, I made $700 in one week. You know, the highest month we ever had was like $9,000. By the time we sold the restaurant, my highest week was like 2,500 and my highest month was like 36,000. To tell you where we took his restaurant from, You know, obviously the more you make, your total sales scale up, but so does everything else. Not like, oh, I just made all this much money. No, I didn't. When you're smart, you reinvest your money. You don't just spend it. Had I actually had time to think about what I was doing, if I would have just thought on my own, you know what, I think I want to start a restaurant. I guarantee you, I never would have done it. Or if somebody would have came to me and said, hey, you know what, you should start a restaurant. You love to cook, you love to do this, you love people, start a restaurant. I wouldn't have thought about it too much. I'm living proof that desperation sometimes is a good thing. We were so desperate that I was blinded and ignorant to the challenges of starting a restaurant or taking one over in this case. Like I said, we were able to do four times the amount of money that he ever did in a month by the time we sold the restaurant. So it was a huge, massive blessing. You know, I brought in a friend to help me with the numbers and to help me get everything to where it needed to be. His name is Brady Westbrook. I want to make sure that I shout him out in case he ever sees this. I want him to know that how grateful I am for his help. That's where it all started and that's we are now. We're still catering, Ben Marlowe Catering. We're in the middle of working out a a pretty huge contract right now with, I I can't say the company yet because we're not officially with them. It's a well-known company. They're known all around the world. An opportunity arose where they needed catering services, breakfast and lunch, every single day of the year, 365 days a year. That'll keep us busy.
0: Oh yeah, that is insane to go from 9,000 in sales with the restaurant to over 30 grand a month. That's insane. And then just seeing you guys progress and catering 25,000 people, that is crazy. I'm just so proud of you guys. I love seeing it on social media. I just feel so proud. I love it. You guys are so awesome. Thank
1: you. You know that that saying, no man is an island? Yeah, and it's absolutely true. I get a lot of the credit because my face is on everything especially the, the uncle Mess's amazing all sauce because my big old face is right there on the bottle but it's like i i get a lot of the credit but no one does it alone you know i have solid people around me my wife has put up or at least tolerated every single crazy idea i've ever had and has allowed me to put those plans into action i mean she's literally stood by my side on every single crazy idea i've ever had and just let me do it and i don't know a lot of spouses husbands or wives that would let their spouse just do these like stupid things. Because, you know, I've had some really bad ideas too. You know, I've had some <laughs> right. bad ones and they've really tanked. You know, the old saying, you will have to be right one time and everybody will forget the rest of your failures. You'll be known for the one time you were right and you made it work.
0: Right. Oh, she's amazing. He really is. Yes, you guys are awesome. Let me go back to the restaurant and the catering. You guys have so many amazing cooks in your families. Take me back to your childhood. When did you develop this love for food and wanting to cook?
1: I gotta say, it's probably my parents and my uncles, because, you know, we had uncles living with me at the time. They all cooked really well. As you know, in Samoa, you know, it's, it's such a physically demanding thing to climb coconut trees, kill a pig. You know, kill a chicken, butcher a cow or whatever it is. So the men cook. That was no different in my home. My dad cooked a lot. My uncle, Tui, he cooked a lot. He still cooks a lot. And my mom also cooked a lot, not to take anything from her. She cooked a lot. She, co- she cooked really, really well. Because of how tasty our food was as a kid, I was like obsessed with it. I mean, look at my waist, you know. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just kept eating it and eating it. The natural next step in the progression was to actually learn how to make this stuff. I was so driven, just so in love with the, the taste of the food that I just wanted to learn everything I could about it. And so I would watch my dad, I would watch my mom, I would watch my batui, And what I ended up doing is like, if they left the house for a few hours, something like that, no adults there, Whereas most kids would like try to go play with their friends, I was always in the kitchen. I was always in the cupboards looking for something I could, you know, mix up. Looking for any kind of recipes on the back of a box or something. I was in the fridge trying to look for anything I could cook where my parents possibly wouldn't find out about it, you know, because I, I, for some reason, I always thought I would get in trouble for it. All that kind of came together when we moved to Banny. I joined Mrs. Magenheims Home Ec class. And I'm so sad that kids these days don't have home ec anymore.
0: I know. I loved it. That was one of my favorite classes.
1: I remember the first time they told me about home ec. They are like, yeah, so it's a class where, you know, you cook and you get to eat the food you cook. I'm like, what? Okay. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'll cook. I want to eat. They taught us everything, though, like how to sew and stuff. To this day, I still remember recipes that she taught me. And the craziest thing, you know, it's all come full circle many times now because I have friends who, you know, we all grew up together. They're all successful businessmen now. And they'll have events that need to be catered. And my company are the ones catering. This has happened like three or four years in a row. And Mrs. Magenheim is now one of the guests there. Like, she's like a mutual friend. So she shows up and there's all these kids now that we all had her together. But we're all guests at these annual events. She's now tasting, in a very real way, the fruits of her labors. Like, she's going to taste the food that she taught me. No way. She's sitting there tasting food that one of her students made and it's, it's funny like because she's complimented me so many times she's like oh my gosh Nancy, this food is so amazing it's your fault you started all this remember? <laughs> she gets a lot of credit for that.
0: That is so awesome and I love you have such a good memory about these things
1: I actually have a terrible memory. I really do. It's the, the moments that were life-changing for me or, you know, pivotal for me. I remember everything about it. It's been really cool, you know, when I see people like her who have influenced me in such a cool way. And then for them to be able to experience the other side of that. Like, hey, look what you did. Like, you helped me become what I am today. It's always really cool to see her. She always has a big smile on her face when we get together. So, Yeah,
0: that's so awesome. I love it. Why is it so important to you to go after these things? You could just work a regular job, but you actually take action to do what's required to get the results that you've had.
1: It goes right along the lines of what the, the quote I shared by Jim Quick, that this is it. There's no take two. There's no redo. It's like the video game when it says game over. You just kind of hit you know, the restart button or whatever. Yeah, there's no restart button for life. This is it. Yeah. And unfortunately, none of us know when our last day is. Deep down, as humans, all we really, really want is peace and happiness. I didn't say money, not that money's bad, but I didn't say money. I didn't say cars. I didn't say biggest house on the block. None of these things are bad things. I'm just saying these things don't go with us when we go. The only thing we'll be able to take with us are memories, experiences, knowledge. That's what I believe in. I want to make sure that my experiences here on Earth are the best that I can have. I just can't imagine me sitting at a cubicle in an office and believing that, oh, this is the best life has to offer right here. This is the best. I love it. I already told you, before I took over the restaurant and started the catering company, I probably had 30 jobs, maybe more. But I hated every single one because I literally would go to a company, get the job. I was able to always convince people that they should hire me. Uh, And I'm not (laughs) joking. not, not to brag. Yeah. But I was just always able to convince people that they needed to hire me. So I always got job. any job I interviewed for, I got. Even the ones I was not qualified for, like absolutely not qualified for, I got it. But then I'd get there and it'd be so boring. I'd be bored out of my mind. But more than that, I felt empty. I felt completely unfulfilled, unsatisfied with the way I was spending my time. And, and I would just leave. I wouldn't even quit. i just leave. I would. I just wouldn't come back. <laughs>
0: you <know? laughs> You're like, forget this. Oh my gosh.
1: I know I mentioned before, I was a terrible employee and I meant it. But I've learned, I've learned since then, like you can't not show up for jobs. You can't not show up for events. You can't not finish the event well and you can't leave everything dirty. I've learned a lot of things over the years of what not to do. And I learned a lot of that from people I've worked with. I learned a lot of that from my younger self, the mistakes that I made as a younger person. But you grow. You grow from it and you make things right. We're blessed that we're able to have a business where we work for ourselves. But, you know, no one truly ever does work for themselves. If someone's paying you their money, that's who you work for. You know, you're never truly working for yourself. You're always working for somebody else if you want them to give you your money. The key to that is to make sure that you are demonstrating to them the value that you offer. So value is very important. Whether it's perceived or whether it's actually true value that you're giving them, as long as they feel that you're giving them value, you'll be great all day.
0: Absolutely. I believe that. I always like to tell people that I am unemployable. I'm the same way, I get so bored. Like I can't sit at a desk. I used to be like, oh I want an office job and then I got one and I was like, oh my gosh. I don't want to sit here anymore, like I can't. And I yeah. worked at the Texas Roadhouse for three years because I was moving around, you know, I was meeting new people, I, I loved it. I cannot do a regular job. <laughs>
1: no, I can't, I can't do I'm right do it.
0: there with you, yeah. yeah.
1: Even if they offer me like a million dollars a year, maybe a million, but I mean, no, I need freedom. My creativity- and happiness. And happiness, yes. My creativity, unfortunately, does not flourish in that kind of environment where I'm sitting and bored out of my mind. Like, my creativity is at its best when I'm moving, when I'm able to physically move and get up and go. My kind of brain, my kind of mind, and creativity, it can't have any limits on it. It can't have any bars or barriers that hold me back or hold me down. I I have to be able to move. A lot of times, some of the best ideas I have are when I'm driving by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, something will pop into my brain like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I should try that. Or... If I'm at the gym and I'm completely like, just kind of zoned out, I only do the elliptical because my knees hurt too much, but I'll be on the elliptical for a while. I got my earphones in, I'm completely zoned out. It's just me and the pain I'm feeling in my leg. But the morning time when I'm at the gym is like best time for me, for ideas to come. Almost always when I'm done with a workout or even during, I'll, I'll take my phone and I'll start typing down notes. Oh yeah, let me try this. Oh, you know, maybe we can do it this way. We can do this. You know, and I wouldn't be able to do that without the freedom that I have. And I know that my neighbors, because I have a doctor that lives to my left of me. And then I have another neighbor uh, to the right. You know, there's a cul-de-sac right in front of our house. Every single person in every single one of these homes get up and leave their house every single morning to go to work. And I literally, around 7.45, 8 o'clock, I'm outside. First thing I do before my older kids go to school is I play a game of basketball. And it's competitive basketball. Like, we go at it. No mercy, elbows, and all kinds of fouls that, that would be called if they were left. But the thing is, I'm out there every single morning with my kids. We're either throwing the football or playing basketball, or or both. And I know that my neighbors are wondering like, does this guy work? Does he do anything? How is he able to just be here every single morning with his kids? I know they have to wonder. After they leave the school, the oldest kids, we take baby Anna with us and we go to the gym. They watch her there and we're at the gym for like an hour or two. Same thing, I know people at the gym are wondering, how is this guy able to show up every single day and just be here with his kid and his wife? I'm able to do that today because of the choices I made years ago. And so I was willing to sacrifice and do things and make sacrifices, do things I didn't want to do so that I could do what I want to do now. And it's great. It's a wonderful blessing. I don't take it for granted. I appreciate it 100%. I thank God every day for helping me be in this position.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a blessing to spend time with your family and not have to get up every day and rush to work. So many people wish they could just take their kids to school or at least be there when their kids wake up. You know, some people are gone before their kids even wake up. Yeah, that's That's true. Definitely a blessing and that comes from hard work and sacrifice.
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
0: For sure. Speaking of family and spending time with family, you guys received some awesome news yesterday would you like to share
1: Sure. Yes. Uh, after 14 years, talk about perseverance and consistency. After 14 years of working with immigration, going through a few different attorneys, thousands of dollars spent and wasted on some of them, finally found a great attorney. After 14 years, my mom is finally coming home. She had her visa interview yesterday. We didn't know what to expect. You know, of course, we prayed that whoever her interviewer was would be someone whose heart was softened and all this stuff. And oh my gosh, her interview She said took less than five minutes. Wow. (laughs) She told us, first question asked her was, okay, Caroline, can you tell us why you want to go to America? And she just started bawling. She got super emotional and he let her cry for like a minute. And then she's like, well, I have five kids. I have 17 grandchildren and I have three great-grandchildren. Some of my kids I haven't seen for more than 14, 15 years. I've only met three or four of my grandchildren and I haven't met my great-grandchildren. And my heart is there with them. He literally just looked at her and goes, oh, good enough for me. Your visa's granted. That was it.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> she just bawled some more. And the hardest part was she couldn't get to a phone to go call us. So we had to wait like two hours, three hours until she could actually get on the phone and call us and tell us. Oh, no. Well, so, you know, of course, we're thinking that the interview went two hours and we're like, OK, it only goes long if it's bad. Like there's a bunch of questions and they're like harassing her and stuff.
0: Right. Um,
1: no, she just couldn't get to, to Wi-Fi or to call us. She called us through Facebook. What a blessing, technology, right?
0: Yes.
1: She told us the good news. And of course, everyone was crying. I called my siblings. They were all crying. But now we're just excited. We're really excited to get her home. But she'll be here soon. She'll definitely be here for all the holidays. She'll be here for the rest of the birthdays and the family and stuff. So we can't wait to get her here and just spoil her rotten a little bit, you know?
0: I <laughs> bet. Right, right? That is so exciting perseverance for sure 14 years is crazy
1: Yeah but she's got old now so we're excited.
0: Mm, I love that and I can't wait. Well let me just ask you a few more questions. you guys love to travel Where are you guys headed this year?
1: I don't know if you saw the news when I posted it on social media, but my dad is actually a citizen now. He got his. Yes,
0: I seen it. I was cracking up. <laughs> I had <laughs> a show Kevin. I was like, look at this guy. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so my dad actually came here in the 60s from Samoa, and he's never been back, ever. He oh. told me last week, you know, after we were talking, I said, so dad, you can travel now, right? He goes, yeah, soon, once I get my passport and stuff. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? He's like... I want to San Juan, I want to visit. I'm like, yeah, you have to, Dad, you have to go. Uh, you know, he has family that he hasn't seen since the 60s. He's really ready to do that. So I'm sure I hitch a ride down there with him because I love San <laughs> Juan. You know, I've only been there once when I was 38. I felt like I was home even though I'd never been there before. January, we went on a cruise to Ensenada. We took the kids then. February, we went to Hawaii. Me and my wife alone, we went to the island of Oahu. Spent time in Laye. We spent half the week there, and then half the week in Honolulu, Waikiki. And then this month, believe it or not, Anna's aunt invited us to go on a cruise to the Caribbean, just me and Anna. That'll be an eight-day cruise. So that's our next thing we're doing that's solid, like for sure. Oh, and then of course November we're going to Texas for the family reunion, so we'll definitely be there, and we'll be there with both my parents, so that'll be weird <laughs> because I, I haven't been anywhere with my parents for a very long time, you know. It should be really cool though; we're we're pretty excited.
0: Oh yeah, that'll definitely be a highlight <laughs> getting together with all the Morrises oh. in Texas. And I'm so sad that we're gonna miss it because Elijah comes back from his mission. Oh, that's right. That weekend, so.
1: Yeah, oh, we're you. gonna
0: miss out on the fun. We are going to be picking our setup.
1: We're excited. Oh, yeah. I guess that's important. I guess.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Is there one piece of advice you could impart on the audience?
1: You know, I just had the amazing opportunity to go back to my high school. Check this out. I wish with all my heart they would have had this back when I was in high school. They have a business management program there now, specifically for kids who want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, where was this when I was in school, you know? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Oddly enough, my good friend, Gennaro, he is the instructor of the course there. So he teaches six periods there. He asked me to come in. He tries to find people who found some level of success in any field that are from banning from that city and that high school. And so I had the, the unique opportunity to go back and talk to them. I talked to his juniors fifth period and his class of seniors sixth period. I gave him this whole presentation, but the one thing that I told them, you know, I try to drill into their brains and into their heads and their minds was I, I told these kids that look, you are exactly where I was 20-something years ago when I was 18 years old. I was sitting right where you guys are in this school, like this exact same school raised around these exact same surroundings as you guys. I said, I'm telling you, if I can do it, if I can escape the idea of what everyone else thinks I should be, which by the way, what other people think of you, what other people's plans and ideas of what you should do with your life, that's none of your business. Leave that to them. You know, right? Absolutely. you do, you do whatever you want to do. You, whatever that thing is, as, as long as you are either qualified for that thing or you can get yourself qualified for that thing, that career, that job, do it. Stop wasting time. It's not like we have an unlimited number of lives to live. We have one, like Jim Quick said. The same message I shared with them is the same one I'm going to try to drive home with you and your audience is that if you guys want something, go after it. There is no second chance after this. This is it. Once I write my book, people will know. They'll be like, holy crap. Okay, this guy came from that. Okay, I can definitely do it. If that guy can do it, I can definitely do it. You know? <laughs> That's the message. That That's the lesson I want to you know leave people with is that if you want it, why aren't you going after it? Why are you wasting any amount of time? Just do it. Let's go for it. I don't know how I can say it enough. There are so many people out there who are doing worse than me that I think are better than me, that I think have a better starting point. They have more advantage. And I'm like, you should be doing this. You should be doing your own thing. And, you know, and I'll be honest, You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they don't say this, but it's not for everyone. As you know, people who build their businesses and build companies and create amazing things, they need people to help them run those things. We all have our colleagues in life. And hopefully when you make it, you can find those type of people that you need to help you run your business and they understand their role and they're fine with that for their whole careers. But for those of us who are the dream makers, those of us who are job creators, those of us who refuse to settle. It, it's our responsibility. It's, it's not just a good idea. It's a, its our responsibility to go after it and make it happen. Because It's not just for us. Like like I just mentioned, we're not just going to bless our lives and the lives of our children. We're going to bless the lives of those people who help us grow the dream. That's what I want to take home. Why aren't you doing? You're sitting somewhere, you're watching this, or this gets to you somehow and you feel miserable with life. You have all the power and control in the world to change it. If you're happy, if you're sad, it's your fault. That's all there is to it. That's all I have to say.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes. And that's why I wanted to start this because I am so passionate about telling people that whatever you want to do, you can do it. Yeah. You want that house on the beach? Go get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be easy, but it's that simple. Like oh, no, no, no. make the decision and then go do it. It's going to be hard, but you can do it. You can absolutely do it.
1: Nothing that's worthwhile, nothing that's lasting is ever going to be easy. So anybody who thinks that way, like, oh, you know, I just want to do this, make a little tweak here, make a little tweak there, and then money's just going to fall down from the sky into my bank account. No, that's not how it works at all. (laughs) (laughs) You're delusional. That's just not how it works. Success comes to those who constantly chase it. Yeah. I don't ever feel like stopping. People talk about retirement. I don't ever want to retire. I love what I do. My wife knows it. She knows, like, oh, he's just going to die one day at work. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how I plan (laughs) (laughs) You you can say that, no matter what position you're in, if you can say that, if you can wake up every single day and say, I love my job, I love what I do, you're good. Whether you're an entrepreneur or not. you love Sunday afternoon? I used to dread every Sunday. Oh gosh, I'm going to work tomorrow. I don't say that anymore. I haven't said that for years and I love it. I absolutely love it. I highly recommend being happy.
0: (laughs) Yes. Main goal, be happy, guys. (laughs) I learned a principle, I don't know if you've seen my post, but I did Shield Maiden an Immersion. And one of the principles is happiness is the true measure of wealth.
1: Absolutely. 100%. 100%. If you're
0: not happy, everything that you're doing is for nothing.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely true. When we first started business, I chased the money because everyone does, right? Everyone chases money. When you first start a business, a lot of people chase money. They're like, no, I gotta get that dollar. I gotta get that next dollar. I gotta get that next dollar. Well, the problem is sometimes there is no opportunity for that next dollar. People are so busy getting caught up chasing the money that they never actually stop and think about this one truth in business. The money doesn't spend itself. The money belongs to someone else. If you want their money, chase the person make sure that you are showing the people that could potentially give you money, your value, your worth. So basically, you don't chase the money, you instead create value for the person. Once you create value and you prove value, that you're worth something, and your services or your product are, are valuable to that person, the money follows it.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. So much knowledge and so many nuggets that I got out of this interview. So what um, businesses do you have right now that you can share with our listeners? Okay,
1: so currently my most recent project, which is uh, Uncle Mess's Amazing All Sauce is something that branched off of the catering business and the restaurant. I used to make a sauce for all of our burgers and our fries and our sides, our you know, onion rings and zucchini, whatever. It's like anyone else's secret sauce, like McDonald's, Big Mac sauce, in and out sauce, except for it's much better, <laughs> you know? And, so, and of course, I'm biased. It's been 10 years in the making. We finally got the recipe right. We're now starting to bottle it and sell it. We sell it online, UncleMessa.com slash store. Shout out for myself. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah. anyway, that's where we sell it currently. I do have some connections and people that I'm working with to get into stores. Hopefully by the end of this year, we have a lot of things that we're working on. You mentioned I used to be a songwriter years ago. I was considering starting that up again. I still have a couple of studio sessions that have already been paid for that I have not used yet. So I'm gonna create at least a few more songs, probably just for fun, you know, when I have time to do it. We also started a business that's called Ugapo Creative LLC. The main reason we started that, that's kind of like the umbrella where you can start all these other individual run businesses. So like Uncle Mess's Amazing All Sauce will be a business under the Ugapo Creative LLC. I'm also gonna start a record label. When I say record label, I don't mean I'm gonna have a recording studio. I just wanna own all the rights to all my songs and all that stuff, so I'm gonna have my own label to do that under. We call it Ugapo Creative LLC because there's just going to be all these different things that we're going to do under it. When you get deeper into the different kinds of business structures, we have the LLC. We're going to have DBAs, which are just sole proprietor owned business or run businesses. That'll be under the LLC. And, you know, and I, I say that I'm going to start a record label or a publishing company because if I do start writing, I want to own all the publishing rights and, and the licensing for my songs. And in order to do that, I have to have a publishing company.
0: So your main one right now is Uncle is yeah, Messe. Amazing sauce. Awesome. You still have your catering. You're doing all of the businesses under the umbrella. Lupo LLC. That's amazing. Where can people find you? On social media, website?
1: Okay, so my website is unclemese.com, U-N-C-L-E-M-E-S-E.com. I have a food blog on there. I have my store on there where you can buy currently Uncle Messe's all sauce original and spicy. Those are the only two products I have. Instagram. So my personal is dad of six with a period between the three words. Dad of six. Gwen Marlowe Catering. G-W-E-N. M-A-R-L-O-W-E catering. Uncle Mess says, Amazing All Sauce. Once again, U-N-C-L-E-M-E-S-E-S. Amazing All Sauce.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me and share your story and your knowledge with my listeners. Of course. I'm so excited to see where you guys go, like, all the time. I'm just like, what are they doing next? (laughs) You know, you guys are doing amazing. I'm so proud of you. And... I'm excited to see where you guys go next. Thank you. Thank you. You
1: You know what? The cool thing now, since we've done this interview, and I'm glad you're recording this, but the cool thing now is that when I'm doing podcasts with like super famous, the biggest influencers on Instagram and stuff, when Uncle Beth is amazing, all sauce with Uncle Beth and Brand is a household name, you'll always know that you were the very first person to get me on a podcast.
0: (laughs) Yes that's my goal, you know. (laughs) I'm like, I need up-and-coming leaders because they need to share their story. You guys need to be seen. This interview was more than I could imagine. The value that you brought today was amazing. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Seriously, the the cool thing about my story, like I told you about the book I'm going to write, because I told my wife, I said, well, I'm not very well known right now. What value would my book bring to anyone? My ultimate goal is to do what I just did with you in front of thousands of people. Going to a corporation, having them hire me to talk to their 5,000 employees or- Oh yeah. That's my goal is to be a motivational speaker. I don't want to just go and motivate people. I want to tell them the truth about life. Your goals are very attainable. The coolest thing about my situation and my story when when I write my book is that I'm not writing it from the perspective of someone who's already a multi-billionaire, future billionaire, I'm writing it from someone who's still on the way, who's still on the journey. And I think that that perspective, that'll actually click a lot better with more people than coming from someone who's a billionaire. Thank you, by the way. I, I, I think like, I was actually really excited when you asked me, I was like, yeah, I think I'd like to do that. I would really like to be interviewed because you know what? No one's ever sat and interviewed me. But to have it recorded like this, is a pretty cool experience. You know, it's a podcast.
0: Yeah, well, thank you again.